All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Now, your pastor told me this morning, he said, take as much time as you want. There's nothing important going on today. <laughs> Especially nothing at one o'clock. No, I promise I will, I will get you out of here. I won't be uh, that long. In Romans chapter 10, we, are, we, we see the words of what I think is the greatest missionary ever. And that is the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary. And there have been a lot of good missionaries over the years. If you go all the way back to the time of what is considered the modern missionary movement, uh, a man uh, that came from England back in 1793, William Carey left England with his wife, went to India and took the gospel there, translated the Bible into the Hindi language, was there for years and years and years. In fact, didn't even see his first conversion for almost five or six years of the time that he was there. But he was known as the Father of the modern missionary movement. Other names you might, uh, you might know of as missionaries, uh, David Livingston, um, also Hudson, Hudson Taylor, and even Jim Elliott, if you want to go back to the 50s and the 60s, a great missionary who, who died on the mission field doing what God called him to do. But if you don't recognize those names, I'm sure you do recognize the name of the Apostle Paul. And he was a great missionary. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was once a champion for the devil and became a champion for the gospel. He has written uh, 13 of the books that we have in the New Testament and the Christ Christian scriptures. And we can see through these writings the things that, that he went through, the things that, uh, the beatings that he received, the times that he was imprisoned, uh, the times that he was even shipwrecked once, all because he wanted to take the gospel from where he was to another place. In fact, in Romans chapter 15, he speaks the words that it was his desire to take the gospel where Jesus was not known. In other words, he wanted to go where somebody had never heard the name Jesus, and he wanted to present that and share the gospel with him. That was his passion. And living in the Western world that we live in today, it's hard to even imagine that there are places in this world that, that people do not know the name of Jesus. But it's true. Uh, Karen spent four months in India about eight years ago. And she was there with some missionary friends of ours. They had an orphanage and she went to serve and with them. And outside of the orphanage, they would also go into these different places like these. Uh, there was one place they would go. It was a garbage community where people lived there and they would collect garbage and take it and sell it and be able to make a living off of that. And they ministered in that garbage community. And one night, she, uh, Karen had a chance to share the gospel. And uh, Raj, the missionary, translated it to their language for them. And at the very end, Raj asked this question of the people that were gathered in front of him. How many of you have heard the name Jesus for the very first time tonight? And, and, he, and he said that, you know, six or seven people raised their hand for the first time. They'd never even heard of the name Jesus. 
But the Apostle Paul, being the great missionary that he was, had a desire to make Jesus known. He wanted to share with them what Jesus did. God in the form of man coming to this earth, dying and put on a cross and being raised again. And, and, and he is, is there for us. And he wanted other people to know this gospel that he knew himself. So in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, he says something here that we all cling to. Romans 10, 10, chapter 13, if you're there, it says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your scripture, your, your word that you have, you have made uh, preserved for us for all of these years that even this morning we can go to you and open your word, uh, your very instructions, your redemptive plan that you show from us from the very beginning in Genesis to the very end in Revelation. We see your very heart and your plan for the people that you love to, to move from death to life. And we thank you this morning that we have your scriptures. And I pray that your scriptures would speak to us, that our hearts would be open for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. As a church, as God's people, we know when that moment happens, when someone calls upon the name of the Lord, they pass from, uh, from death unto life. And we rejoice on that. I can, I'm not here normally here on a Sunday morning, but I would just imagine if this morning, if, if brother Eric got up here at the end and said, this morning, so-and-so came and they've accepted Jesus Christ. I bet all of you would be clapping. Y'all would be very happy. We rejoice in that, right? And he says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is one of those statements that can stand by itself. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And what Paul does here is he says, he shows the end, but then he talks about how we get to the end, how someone calls upon the name of the Lord and will be saved. And somebody will say, well, you don't know my life. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, you don't know where I've been and what I've done. In my past, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Someone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they move from death into life. This morning, I want to show you the verses that come after this. Even though this verse 13 can stand by itself as a true statement, Paul shows us how we get there, how someone gets there to that point, to that moment that they call upon the name of the Lord. So let's read further into verses 14 and 15. I'll go back and start again at 13 just to kind of put it all in context. 13, uh, are you there, by the way? Verse 13. Hey, somebody was in the, in the, in the message this, in this service this morning. I asked our kids uh, in our church, Cornerstone Church on Sunday mornings, when I asked them to turn to a scripture, and I want to make sure that they're all there. So I said, if you're there, say, hey, hey. So Romans 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 13. Are you there? Okay. Hey, hey, some of you are. It's okay. Some of you are Redskins fans. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to. 
Okay. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, verse 13. 14 says this, how then will they call on him who they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Verse 15, how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Karen and I um, surrendered to missions and felt God calling us to missions about seven or eight years ago. I mentioned earlier that Karen had spent four months in India. And while she was in India serving there with those missionaries, and I was back in Fort Worth uh, working as pastor, uh, one of the pastors of our church, uh, I really felt God during my time alone with him was, was moving me and, and showing me that we needed to go on the mission field, that we needed to leave America and take the gospel to a foreign place. And while he was working on me here, he, was, he had been working on her for a long, long time. And I think I was finally just kind of getting it. Um, but even before that time, I, I was on staff at the church. Karen was leading mission teams out of our church. She left, uh, led teams to Guatemala and El Salvador and also India. Uh, before that, I was in ministry. I had worked in radio since I was 18 years old. Worked in radio for 25 years. Uh, I did everything. I, I DJed, I voiced commercials, I wrote commercials. Even one time for about a year, I flew in a helicopter and did helicopter traffic. I did it all. But early on in my radio career, one of the stations that I worked with, we did the news at the top of the hour. A five-minute newscast, and that newscast did not come from uh, where I was in Fort Worth. The, the newscaster was not there. He was with ABC Radio News, which was out of New York. So if you can get this picture in your mind, there's a, a newscaster, uh, a man or a woman, sitting in a small booth in New York, and at the top of every hour, exactly to the second, they would start a five-minute newscast. And this person would, would be on our station, but also probably 200 or 250 stations across the country at the very same time. And so knowing that they were coming at the top of the hour at zero, zero seconds, that person was going to say that first word, I had to be prepared sitting in Dallas-Fort Worth for that to happen. And if you work in radio, uh, you never want anything to, you want everything to, to run smooth, right? No dead air, no empty space. You want everything to flow. That way nobody notices anything. It just kind of happens. So for me to be prepared for that newscaster to speak that first word at zero, zero, and everything sound good, even up to that last second, I had to prepare for that. And I would begin preparing about 15 minutes before the top of the hour. So around 45 of each hour, I would begin to say, okay, well, I've got this song, and I've got this song, I've got these commercials, uh, I know I'm going to talk for however long. So I would have to time it to make sure that I ended at 59.59 and those first words were there. That that song ended immediately and then boom, that first words from the newscaster happened. That whole process is called in the radio biz, back timing. 
back timing. And back timing is this, seeing the end result and then planning and preparing for it. Seeing the end result and then planning and preparing for it. Now, I don't think that the Apostle Paul ever worked in radio. But with these verses, with what we've seen in Romans chapter 10, verses 13, 14, and 15, he back times. He looks, he starts with the end result. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he begins to work backwards. And sometimes in our mind, that's hard because we're kind of like, well, point number one is this. Then number two is this. Then number three is this. And then four is where you end. He started the other way and he worked backward. And he made a point of saying how someone gets to that place where they pass from death unto life. And he starts with the end in mind. And in this process, he asked four how questions. He, he goes with four how questions. And these questions aren't meant to be answered. They simply answer them, answer the above, the question above as they flow through these four. So I just wanted to quickly go through these four how questions and see what he talks about, about how someone gets to the point where they call upon the name of the Lord. So let's look in the first how question there. The first how question is found in the very first sentence of verse number 14. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Remember verse 13 says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he says, well, how can they call on the one who has not believed? And he's not looking for an answer because in the very next how question, he answers that. How are they to believe in whom the one they've not heard of? So everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call upon him if they have not believed? And then how can they believe in him who they have never heard? The next how question comes at the end of verse number 14. He says, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to hear without someone preaching? So it goes from two to three. And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Again, answering the one before. And then he goes to the last how question, which is back time, so it could be the first. How are they to preach unless they are sent? If we were to take that whole process and make it e even easier for us to understand, because sometimes when you go from backwards and it's just, it really messes up your mind sometimes. Think about this. For you to accept Jesus Christ, at some point, someone had to speak the gospel to you. Maybe it was a pastor, maybe it was a friend, a relative, Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, but at some point, someone was sent out to speak the gospel, whether they were in ministry or they were a lay person. At some point, they were sent. And when they were sent, they spoke the gospel. Maybe, and you maybe heard it for the first time. Maybe even in your home, maybe a parent shared the gospel with you. But they spoke that. And, and you heard someone preaching and you believed because you heard 
the gospel. And then you called upon the name of the Lord and you believed. And at that moment, you became a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ. You know, I think we all need to be reminded sometime the importance of being that person. Whether you are a preacher on ministry staff or not, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're called to go. It may be going down the street. It may be going at your work. It may be going across the world, but we're all called to speak. We have that responsibility. For me, it was my father. I grew up in a great Christian home. My father, through my father's example and his speaking and teaching to us, and taking us to church, I understood the gospel message. And I can remember like it was yesterday, sitting on the end of my dad's bed and him leading me through that, that time of decision of salvation. And, and, I, and I think in my mind, what would happen if that never happened? What if I, my dad did not stand for that, did not speak to that? And, and you may be that person who makes the difference, who speaks up, who preaches or speaks or shares that someone can accept that gospel. Let me show you a picture here. This is a picture of Victor. Victor is one of our 92 children at a place of hope. Victor has been there for, I think, somewhere around seven or eight years. He came up from the north. Uh, Victor just started school last week, and he's in secondary school, and he's in JS2, which is the equivalent of eighth grade. Last year, Victor called upon the name of the Lord. And he called upon the name of the Lord. He was saved. And I can remember the time that I was able to, to baptize Victor. But how did Victor come to this belief? How did Victor believe in the name that he had not heard of before? How did Victor believe without someone preaching or sharing with him? How? Because Virginia Hills Church sends preachers, sends missionaries, sends people to share the gospel. That is how Victor began this process and eventually came to what we see in verse 13, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You guys are making an impact 7,000 miles away. When you pray for us, when you give, you keep us there. And we are so grateful for that. Paul finishes in, in chapter 15 with this thought, a thought that came from the book of, of Joel. He says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, I can tell you a lot of things this morning, but one thing my wife could tell you is that these feet are not beautiful. But they are. And you guys make them beautiful because you make it possible for us to go to Nigeria, to the state of Enugu, in the city of Nsuka, to a small village of Opi, uh, and share the gospel and care for these children that God has entrusted with us and care for now these children that we have in our school. You are making an impact. And I just want to encourage you this morning as I close not to give up. Don't give up doing what you are called to do as a believer. Acts 1.8 
You will, be, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Going out to all these different places and the, the, the cities that were named in the scripture give us an understanding of it starts right where you are and goes around the world. You may never see Victor face to face, but you have had an impact on Victor. And there are victors all over the world. There are victors that you guys, uh, you know, that you, uh, other missionaries that you support in Brazil and China, even locally here, a place of hope, even the Troop family. You guys are making an impact. And I want just to leave you with this and encourage you that you truly are making a difference and, and, and continue to do what you're doing. And for that, Karen and I and all of the people at a place of hope say thank you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and a reminder of how important it is for us and the role that we all play. Yes, it is your Holy Spirit that calls someone to salvation. Yes, we understand that, but we know that you use your people. And those of us who have called upon your name are your people. And so God, we just ask you to use us, to continue to use us to make a difference, to make a difference in the lives of people right here in this area and stretching even all the way across the world. It is an honor to be able to do that. And I'm thankful for the people of this church. And I pray that you would encourage them and they would never lose sight of the real importance of making sure that other people hear the gospel too. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.